Here we go. My name is Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 466, which are all even numbers, sweetie. So good. That's important. Uh, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who does want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, what's the main focus, my darling? Becoming. Becoming. Um, is that specific to a certain book that just came out? Sure. We're going to talk a little bit about um, Michelle Obama, everybody's best friend. Um, I wish she was my best friend. He's in the building! And that's Oprah. Oprah's and, also my best friend. what does friend. Oprah have to do with Michelle? Well, I last Tuesday, so it was a week ago today, um, I got to see Oprah and Michelle Obama at the United Center in Chicago. And... It was pretty great. And then you got a headache. Well, that's because the night before I was, you and I were in Chicago the night before and we saw Glennon and Abby and Lovey and uh, some, a big group of women uh, in Milk, who yeah. was awesome, yeah. um, in uh, at the Chicago, or where were they? The Auditorium Theater. And then the next night was Oprah and Michelle. So it wasn't, I'm not, I can't, it's hard for me to go out two nights in a row like that. Sweetie, we used to do that all the time. I know. And I knew, I knew that even when I decided Sweetie, to we, do these we things. We know we're old if we can't go out two nights in a row and we're not even drinking in either of those nights. But let, let me say this really quick because I know it sounds really lame, but it's so different than it was when we were young. I mon, All day Monday I worked and parented. Mm -hmm. So it was like a normal day where I got up at six o'clock and did the whole and worked all day and, <clears throat> excuse me, and was with people and with my kids. And then I went out. And then Tuesday, I taught in the morning, worked all day. So it's not like when we were in college, it was like you'd go out and then sleep in all day the next day. Do you see what I mean? In college, for sure. But in our 20s, we were working. I mean, we I weren't working so. very hard, but I, we were was, working. I was going to say, I wasn't working we very hard. We were at jobs that we, were, we <laughs> wanted to like. I know. I'd be like, I, I just need to go to the bathroom. And I'd like go for a walk or something. Um, so a few quick takes before we get into Becoming by Michelle Obama. One is I read an article about why you should avoid raking your leaves. Yes, I'm so glad because we do avoid it. Um, <laughs> sweetie, Skylar was out there the other day. Yes, I did appreciate that. Um, just a few things. Uh, leaves are nature's uh, natural mulch and fertilizer, mm -hmm. so you should keep that in mind. And over the winter months, a lot of butterflies and moths as pupa or caterpillar are in the leaf litter. Pupa. It says P-U-P-A. Maybe it's pupa. Uh, is that pupa? Pupa. Pupa. <laughs> And when you rake it, you're removing the whole population of butterflies you would otherwise see in your yard. Oh. And without insects, insects in the leaf litter, you also risk driving away birds that might come home to your yard looking for food to feed for their offspring in the spring. Mm. So, and food scraps and yard waste make up 20 to 30% of what we throw away. So, I have a new sign that we can put in the yard. All right. Leave the leaves. Wow. That's pretty good, right? Leave the leaves. I like it because you say leave twice. Right. It's yeah. a play on words. It's wordplay. And you know what else we can do? What's that, sweetie? The thing that um, I put on the window with the bird feeder, the bird feeder window thing. Yeah. So if like if you're worried that some of the, the pupa or whatever, <laughs> if you're worried Let's that- Let's just call it pupa. <laughs> if you're worried that things are being you know raked away- then just put a bird feeder on your window. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, <laughs> Will you explain? I don't even know what you mean. My bird feeder on the window. What about it? Are you going to put leaves in the bird feeder? <laughs> no. I'm just saying that's another way to feed the birds. Okay. Didn't you just say that they were going to eat the insects from the leaves? Gotcha. So you're saying if you do rake your leaves, yes, go ahead put and put a, a bird, bird feeder, feeder out, out instead. I thought you were saying put the leaves in the bird feeder. <laughs> So lost. Um, so this is a little, I feel like I'm about to get in trouble, but oh, no. today is International Men's Day. And I just thought it was funny. And I wouldn't have thought it was funny two years ago, but I do feel like I'm a white, straight, privileged man. And most days are International Men's Day. Well, and it's international, which makes it a little better because right. that means all men, right? It's a gendered day, but a day where all issues affecting men and boys can be addressed. Obviously, this is something that we need to work on. True. I feel like you turn on the news, most of the time it's men making bad decisions. Right. So, so in a way, I'm honored about this, but in another way, I just wish that the people that focus on November 19th as International Men's Day, because they talk about the six pillars in focusing on men and boys' health, improving gender relations. Oh, that's good. Promoting gender equality. So it's wonderful. Good. So it's just 
kind of funny to hear that they have a day for men. If you're taking it on surface, yes. it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. But if you go deeper into what they're really trying to do, it's very helpful. It also says it's an occasion to highlight discrimination against men and boys and to celebrate their achievement and contributions. That's the part where I'm, That's, I, I throw up in my that. mouth a little bit. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that boys are not discriminated upon. Obviously, boys are sexually assaulted and but that's all not, that stuff. Is that discrimination? I don't know. I, I, I guess you can do it. You can talk about it in that way. But anyways. You know what? This is actually a good thing to think about because I think this is exactly where we are in mm -hmm. our society with how to talk about these things. Yeah. Because obviously loving you and loving all the men in my life and, and the you know young boys that we know and I want them to have that kind of honoring. Yeah. It's not as if I don't believe they are worthy of it or that I don't think that men are... are it, it just, it's all about the language and mm -hmm. it's all about understanding how that language can affect all people. This is really where we are um, when it comes to everything, when it comes to understanding women's experiences, when it comes to understanding people of color's experiences, like we have to be thoughtful about our language. And when you hear, and a lot of people will say, as we always discuss, I don't want to be thoughtful about my language. I just want to talk like I always have. But see, that's that's what's shifting in our culture is that we're starting to recognize how our language can affect other people negatively. For sure. And to read the first couple of sentences you read, absolutely. Yeah. But to read the sentence that says we're going to acknowledge men's accomplishments, yeah. that's what we always do. Well, and, you know, real quick, uh, you know, there's that Rebel Girls book. Mm -hmm. And it's an awesome book yeah. about these strong women for girls and boys to read. And I'd be like, we should do this for boys. And honestly, I was so naive. You, I thought it was a good idea. And mm -hmm. then you're like, what about all the history books that we read from the time we were in second grade until through high school? I'm like, like, every book is a Rebel Boys book. So, because that was the way, instead of, I'm trying, I think we're going to find new language, new vocabulary to talk about these things because this is going to go on and on. It's not about that's wrong. Right. And Correct. that women are all right or that it's not about this it's again not black and white. it's not false dichotomy right yeah. it's it's that can we see the good in that mm -hmm. but also recognize where it needs a little tweaking yeah. so everybody can accept it yeah. because if it's just taken at face value and everyone's like you should just accept it and we should just have international men's day and not even discuss why for some people that might not land very well then we're not growing we are not becoming mm -hmm. So here's my, there you go, sweetie. Thank you. So here's my hope for okay. International Men's Day, which is on November 19th. To do the uh, th the other 364 days out of the year, let's focus on promoting gender equality as well. Beautiful. All right. Beautiful. Um, we didn't talk about, sometimes Kathy and I have a good idea for the show, but the idea happens on a Wednesday and we record on Mondays. And you, I think you could say this very quickly. We talked about how you either listen to a podcast or read something where girls' voices need to be at a certain pitch. Oh, yeah. So it was a hidden brain, um, I believe. And it was about how they did some research. And when I say they, I, you know, I don't know what group it was, but they researched how women's voices, or it, they didn't even talk about women, how voice pitch, um, how that plays into the voting process. So what I'm saying is that when you've got candidates, let's talk about a primary, when you've got a group of candidates, they find out, they, they figured out that who's ever got the lower voice tends to be the person that people trust more, okay? It's a person that they believe can is strong enough to do the job. And, and what they've decided is that a lot of that is because we're animals. And when you have a lower voice, that means there's more testosterone or something. Mm -hmm. And that you are just in the, the pack considered like the strongest one. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not saying I agree with all this or I know all this, but this is what they were saying. But the interesting thing is um, then when it came to women... Uh, it, it was very similar that women with lower pitched voices, like not high, but lower would be more trusted. But then here's like the, the challenging part, but women with higher voices were considered to be more attractive. So women were, were stuck in this bind 
of do I have a higher pitched voice where people find me attractive because attractiveness also lends to votes <laughs> or do I have a lower pitched voice where people find me stronger and so you have this teeny space in between. Can I uh, can I play a movie sure. clip to illustrate that place? Go ahead. But you're not going to fool the guesser. How about you, sir? Step right up. Hey, honey, let's see how good this guy is. Now, would I win? Uh, anything in this general area, right in here, anything below the stereo and on this side of the bicentennial glasses, anything between the ashtrays and the thimble. Anything in this three inches right in here in this area that includes the chiclets but not the erasers. So there's a ton of background noise, so I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to keep that. But that's from the jerk, and that's when he's explaining what you win if he does not guess the proper weight or something like that. And I feel like that's the exactly that's it's the this, corner that you guys are painted into. Exactly. So in that clip, it's like how you know what are you going to win? Really, you're only going to there's this space right in between here where you can get something. So all these other things you're seeing, that's you're not going to get that. But that's exactly what what it's like for women. Is there's this space in between that there's supposed to be this perfect place mm. where your your voice is high enough to be attractive, low enough to be strong, and we all know that that's just and again. Does anyone really think about that? Um, one version or one person that they spoke about was Margaret Thatcher, yeah. that she actually worked on lowering her voice mm -hmm. and they played clips of her early on in her career and later. And she actually worked on lowering her voice because she understood that people found her more powerful if her voice was lower. Now, one more thought about that, sure. though. If the voice got too low really low, people were afraid of them. Oh, wow. So there's this really like ideal place um, where, you know, men, you know, most of the time candidates have been men up until now, um, that they like men's voices to fall. And then with women's voices, they're just trying to figure out that place too. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting what we're affected by, that it's subconscious. Right. You know what I mean? And sometimes the reason why this shows up is women, oftentimes when they're speaking or given a speech, you know what people will say about them? Oh, they're shrill. Yeah. Or they're nagging. When really they're not doing anything different or giving a speech that's any different than a man would give. But because of the sound of their voice, there's a feeling that they're being shrill. And we have to watch those biases because those those put us in a bind. Um, speaking of scary voices, this is what I thought of, sweetie. Okay. <laughs> sweetie, who's Danny? Danny, Danny, red rum. Red rum. Um, Danny. That's from The Shining. Yeah. Danny struggled in that house. Yeah, and so did the mom. I wish I could have helped both of them. Yeah, olive oil was not... A Shelly Duvall. Let's give her... Sorry. <laughs> not olive oil. Nobody knows what we're talking about anyway. Well, so that's, that's The Shining, and that's Danny, and he his finger would talk to him. Yeah, and he's possessed or whatever. Yeah, but you know what? He No, he was sensitive, like uh, the guy. Um, who's talking? Is that, is that Danny talking? Yeah, but... I guess it's Danny talking. You're so literal, Toddy. I love you. I know, but he could also feel things. He had the shining. That's mm. what the word comes from. Yeah, I don't from. know what the shining is. Oh, he had the ability to. It's kind of like you know, it's like Hill House. Bringing that back, Hunting of Hill House. Hope, hope some of you have watched it now. They all had sensitivity mm. to the house. They could feel what was happening. Yeah. And so, and you know, my belief system is we all can do that all the time. But we just don't know what our sensitivities are. Yeah, you got to just uh, keep the door open. Yeah, and if we were more, if we were more open in that way, if we would be more like when things happened, if we wouldn't say, "Oh, that's stupid," or "That was just my brain," or you know, I, I, I didn't really see that, we would probably experience more things that we would call paranormal. So it's Thursday, uh, this Thursday. <laughs> Thanksgiving this Thursday. It's not this Thursday. Today is Monday. No, I, I meant to say it's Thanksgiving this Thursday. It is Thanksgiving. It is, but it, it is going to be Thursday this Thursday, by the it way. It is. Thank goodness. <laughs> I love it when Thursdays are Thursdays. I know. Um, it makes and everything I am easier. an annoying uh, fan of the movie called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and I like to play clips the week of Thanksgiving, even though my honey doesn't like me to do it, but I get to... It's, I, not, it's not that I don't like it, but you don't just do this at Thanksgiving. You play Planes, Trains, and Automobiles I have the computer, the so I get to do what I, I want know. here. Saint, you got a free cab, you got a free room, and someone who'll listen to your boring stories. I mean, didn't you, didn't you notice on the plane when you started talking, eventually I started reading the vomit bag? 
That's the first scene. This is oh, the second Neil. scene. What's the flight situation? Simple. There's no way on earth we're going to get out of here tonight. <laughs> We'd have more luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than we will getting a flight out of here before daybreak. And that's not the end of the uh, movie quotes for this session. I'm going to play be. a few more. It might be. Um, and then one last thing before we get into Becoming. Okay. Uh, we have a conference sponsor I would like to acknowledge. Yes. Um, it's a company by the name of Rita Highland Coaching. Have you ever heard of this company, I sweetie? I do. She's one of my favorites. So Rita is a transformational business and life coach. She helps individuals expand their career, leadership, impact, and happiness threshold. Yes. Can you attest to that? I can't. Rita's the real deal, everybody. I know her very well, and she she walks the walk. She's an expert at helping people change behavior so that they struggle less personally and professionally. Um, and she has something coming up called her signature Playing Full Out Life yep. and Leadership Academy group coaching program. It's a transformational eight-week online program just in time to reset the new year. To be first in line, uh, go to RitaHighland.com and add your name to the list. And the most repeated comment from the last class of graduates is that Rita over delivers. Always. RitaHighlandCoaching.com. No, sorry, RitaHighland.com. So that's the deal. All right. Thank you, Rita. Thank you, Rita. We love you. Um, so let's talk about becoming. So those of you who um, may already know, because she's been everywhere, Michelle Obama's book came out called Becoming. She's been everywhere. She's literally been, you know, she was obvi she's obviously doing this tour, but she was on Ellen. She's on the cover of People magazine. She's been on the late night shows. So I think people are aware her book is coming out. So instead of like going through all the things that she's been talking about in the sound bites, mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about a few things that she offers to us as parents and also to our children okay. as kind of uh, lessons in life. Um, life. I love life lessons. Me too. And I think that they're important for us first as parents. And if we can recognize that we are always becoming, then when our children are going through um, changes, difficult times, a, you know, a new way of being, then we can look at through a lens of that they're becoming too, right. rather than why are they changing or they shouldn't be changing or this shouldn't be happening. It's instead, it's like, this is what it's like. Like one of the things that Michelle said, can I just call her Michelle? Sure. Can she just be name. my friend? That's her name. Okay. So, you know, one of the things that Michelle said was that the least favorite thing she likes to hear people say to children are, what are you going to be when you grow up? Mm, you know, that sounds or like is. a very benign question. But it's so boxing. Like it's so like that as if they have to already have tunnel vision about what they want to be. Like, I'll just give you an example. I had a great talk with um, our youngest daughter a couple days ago. She's She's been saying for years that she wants to be a pediatric nurse. She wants to go to Loyola. She and her best friend have this plan where her best friend's going to go to Northwestern. She's going to go to Loyola. It's just something they talk about. Sure. Okay. And she came in the other day and she said, you know what? I'm just not quite sure that nurse thing is going to work out for me. She's like, I'm thinking I might go into graphic design. Okay. Wow. Now, left field. Well, kind of, but she's been talking about it lately because she bought this creation book mm -hmm. where you can create your own book. And she's been learning online how to do it. And then our friend Hannah, mm -hmm. that's what she does for a living. Yeah. And then Jessica does that for a living. So she's been seeing it everywhere. And again, I don't. And I'm not like, oh, good, now she's going to be a graphic designer. I don't think this will probably stick either. Odds are it won't. Right. It's just her saying, I might do this. I might do that. And instead of being like, oh, but what about... What about nursing? What You're about so nursing? close to getting your RN. <laughs> instead of she's that... She's in fifth grade, She's in fifth grade. Instead of that, it's like, oh, my gosh, that sounds so great. Yeah. That sounds so interesting. Yeah. And just keeping that door wide open, I don't care. Like, I honestly, it's got nothing to do with me. You know what this reminds me of? Um, there's a book that Wayne Dyer put out, a kid's book called Excuses Be Gone, and the kid wanted to be a turtle scientist mm -hmm. guy. And like his dad's like, no, sorry, we're farmers. And his teacher's like, no, you're not smart enough or whatever. He's like, uh, we don't have enough money. And, you know, then he found this mentor and saying, you know, th these are all excuses. Right. If you want to do it, go get it. So right. anyways. I think we would call that a marine biologist. What did I say? A turtle scientist. <laughs> Sweetie, you know what I mean. <laughs> turtle Turtle scientist. Yeah. I'm a turtle scientist. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I'm a turtle scientist. <laughs> what about marine biology? No, no. I just want to focus just on the turtles. turtles. Just turtles. And you know what? You could tunnel that way toward turtles because I love turtles I'll bet too. you there's turtle scientists oh, of course. out there. And you know, it, but I think that the big umbrella is marine biology. No, the I... turtle scientists. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, 
that's the kind of mentality or the kind of like uh, messaging that Michelle Obama is offering in this book. So I wanted to, I wanted to say like as parents, I was thinking this morning about how sweetie, Dr. Steven Swyburn is a turtle scientist. Okay. I'm sure you could find a bunch of people (laughs) and make and and win. Um, but I think that like when we become parents, the first couple phases of parenting, we have, I mean, we don't have a lot of control, meaning babies waking up and, you know, they're, they're a human being and we don't get to like tell them what to do all the time. So obviously there's a sense of becoming something new, but we are also doing things. There are certain things in our control, like, you know, I'm going to put my baby in the Bjorn or I'm going to nurse or I'm going to, you know, um, take them to these classes. And we kind of feel like we're making them become something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we're we're like contributing in this grand way to who they become. Sure. And then there comes a time and it's different for all kids. Sometimes it's really young, like four or five. Sometimes it's more around eight or nine. Sometimes it's 13 where you realize that they've been becoming on their own yeah. the whole time. That doesn't mean that our support and our... Um, input in the classes we've taken them to are all important, all important, but but really, you know, my quote, what let go and let God. Yeah. So basically what I, is that yours? No, Wayne Dyer said that and he probably got it from somebody else, but you know, do all these things that you're talking about influencing, right? but then let go and then let God. So if you don't like use word God, like whatever it is that they came into the universe to do, just let them let figure nature. that out. Yes. Yeah. Let yes. nature figure yes. it out. And it takes its own course if we can back up a little bit. Yeah. If if our children come in and we say, my child's going to be a gymnast or my child's going to be a dancer or my child's going to be a baseball player or my child's going to play piano or my... If we've got all these dreams mm-hmm. that we feel like we must impose, mm-hmm. then there may be a little more challenges along the way. I'm not saying, you know, maybe you're like, nope, my kid's doing all the things I told them to do. It's like, well, that, that could happen, but that can also backfire later where they're like, this is what I really wanted to do, or this is what I was more interested in. Like really our job is to back up and to acknowledge what they're telling us. Not like I want to stay up till 11 p.m. Not that kind of thing, but like, here's what I'm interested in. Here's what makes me come alive. Like, you know, I want to be a turtle scientist or I don't want to be a pediatric nurse anymore. I want to do graphic design and not, not being like, oh, now I got to get you in a class. Just being like, that sounds great. Follow what you love and they can follow it in different ways. And if they ask for help, of course, support. Like we have one daughter right now who is asking us, please get me in this class. Yeah. And it's funny because two years ago, you wouldn't have thought ever she would have asked to no. do something like this. And and Todd was able to back up enough where she found it herself. And so we're all becoming, and as parents, we are becoming through that process too. I think that as parents... We feel like we're stuck. We're in, and I don't. maybe this isn't where you're going, but we're rigid... Our plan is already unfolded. There's nothing more for us to become. And if you really, if you believe in allowing your kid to become whoever they want to be, the best way to do that is for you to figure out how you are going to evolve. Absolutely. And so it's kind of like twofold. It's like like what you said, doing this for yourself in your own life and realize that you're always becoming. It yep. never ends. There's not a point where it's like, oh, now I'm this age, I'm done. You're always becoming. You're always growing and changing. And then acknowledging that in your kids, that what would you want? Like how, you know, and again, a lot of stories I hear from parents is they'll say, well, I just wish my parents would have made me play the piano. I used to say that to my mom. I know. And that's such an unfair thing to... Totally unfair. Because it's not as if if now, then you would be a happier person, then everything would be different. Because you know what you may have, may have not had then? All of those days outside on your bike with Mario. Yeah. All of those. And I'm not saying one is better than For the sure. other. I'm just saying when we play this game of if I would have learned this when I was a kid, I'd be happier. Well, and what I say to parents a lot, and, and there's balance even with what I'm about to say. Okay. The piano will find your son or your daughter. The if guitar that's what they're meant will to do. find yeah. them. And a lot of parents understandably push back saying, no, you at least need to introduce them to it just to see if they want it. Okay, I'm kind of with you, but kind of not. Like if they really like the piano, they're going to see it on TV Absolutely. or they're going to see it at a, at a friend's sibling's concert thing. And right. they'll be like, that's interesting. I'd like to do that. But instead, what we do is they're six years old. They got to start learning right. their chords or whatever it is that you do in the piano. Instead of becoming, instead of like, because becoming to me feels like evolving. Yeah. 
instead of doing that, we get rigid. Yep. And here, it, here's the time. Here's the, I'm looking at my clock, and now it's time to do this, and we become very focused. And there is room for all of it. Like in for to Todd's point, you know, we had a daughter. We have a we had a daughter. We have a daughter who. Um, started guitar when she was about seven, Mm -hmm. then dropped it. And then she's 15 and now she's doing it again. And that was all her own. Can I give you one more example? Yeah. We have another daughter, because this is like Shafali talked about this, like unless you get your kid when in ballet or orchestra or piano or basketball, when they're six years old, they're never going to catch up. Right. She didn't say that was true. Right. She just said- This is the fallacy. This is the fallacy, yeah. So we have one kid who just started cheerleading. Mm Mm-hmm. And yes, she was way behind when she showed Years up. Years behind. Years behind because she started in eighth grade. She's working her tail off, and guess what? She's kind of catching up. Mm-hmm. So you, it's not it's not true that your kid is not going to be able to be really good at what they do unless they start when they're seven years old. Well, and the key is. It's what they want. And because she wanted it, she's working her tail off. We're the ones telling her to slow down because she's, and, and, and a lot of parents will say, oh, I wish my kid would do that. If they, if they they find something they love, they will. Mm. This is not a, our kid or the kid down the blocks kid. It is a human thing. But when we put boundaries around our kid and say, you can only choose from these things or, or you, or gosh, this would be horrible. But if our kid said, I really want to play guitar and we say, oh, you're, it's too late. Mm -hmm. If we say things like that, or we're like, you're not good enough or you're too short. I was watching the bears game yesterday. There's a guy on the team who is shorter than Todd. Yeah. I don't know how tall he is, but he's a, and he was rocking it me too. And he, I am sure that he has some stories to tell about, you know, playing football or what about the kid, the, the twins, the, oh yeah, the twins and the football player who he actually do, he's he doesn't have an arm. Tariq Cohen is five foot six. Five foot six, and he is playing professional football. Now, what would your traditional coach say to that kid? You're too when he's short. Little? You're too Especially short. Especially in that game, like that is a big person's game. And he had that ball. Oh my God! We watched a Sunday night football game last night where the Bears beat the uh, uh, the mighty Minnesota Vikings, and he is unbelievably quick. He is so quick. And then same with the... Um, the two brothers. The so the, it, brothers. Too long of a story, but these brothers who are playing professional football, they're on the same team, and the way they got on the same team is a great story. Yeah. But one of the brothers was born with his his, his arm had to be... Did, was it amputated? No, I, I think it just... I don't think there's any amputation. It just... Uh, it was, His umbilical cord was tied around his wrist. Yes, yeah, so it knocked the it circulation out. Didn't grow. But he took the skill that he had and became this amazing... Is he defensive tackle? He's a linebacker. Yeah. And he can tackle... He figured out a way to do it without that arm. So... And he's effective. We we all know how hard it is to be in the NFL. It's like 0.00001% of the football players end up being NFL players. I can only imagine how hard the game is with only one hand. Correct. And guess what this young man did? Correct. He worked his tail off and he's now on the Seattle Seahawks. Yes. And this is exactly what Michelle's book is about is she takes you through her whole story so you see it's really no different than anybody's. It's not as if she was born and they were like, someday you will be the first lady of the United States. Like that was never... she just had her own dreams. She had, she felt supported, but she sure didn't have a lot of money and she sure lived in a tight space and she sure had people telling her she couldn't do things. I could relate to a lot of her stories. Like there was a counselor at her school who told her, um, you know, she wanted to go to Princeton because that's where her brother went. And the counselor was like, I, I don't think you're Princeton material. And she talked about how this person had already decided who she was before this person had any idea who she was. And I had the exact same thing happen to me where a, you know, and again, I know it's different circumstances, but you know, someone looked at a test score of mine and said, you'll never make it in college. And I'm like, what about everything else I do? Awful. Have you looked at anything else I do? Right. Or the fact I have been successful up to this point, like we're so quick That's to decide. such a crazy story. Cause that guy, that dude's job was to guide young people. Yeah to be the best version of themselves. And if he said it to you, I guess he said it to a lot of other people. I'm sure he did. And they believed him. And that's another thing that Michelle says in her book is I, I want to get this quote right and I don't have it in front of me, but failure is a decision or a feeling that we have before anything even happens. Meaning failure is when we've already been told that we can't do things and that we um, don't have the capacity. And then that belief system takes over and then that ends up 
that ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Can you find that quote? I'm looking for it. I can't quite find put it. Put in um, Michelle Obama. I put um, Michelle Obama failure, failure is a belief or a feeling. Okay. And as you're looking for it, and it's true because a lot of things that, I mean, think about the things that we give up on so quickly because we already have this belief system that we aren't good at something. And, you know, Todd and I are using all these examples of like football players and, you know, like Misty Copeland who didn't start dancing until she was 13 and now she's the best. We also don't have to be those people. We don't have to be professional football players. We can just enjoy what we're doing. I don't care if my daughter who's playing guitar becomes a musician, I just enjoy that she's enjoying guitar today. Do you see what I mean? For sure. We it's, don't have to make it into to a career. It's the process. It's, it's becoming. Yeah. Because who knows what playing guitar at 15 leads to. Yeah. Maybe it's just her ability to read music or respect other bands or have just something she does when she's bored. Mm. It doesn't have to be her job. And this is all a part of becoming whole people. We are so tunnel vision about whatever we do and whatever choices we make is for our career and to make money. There's so much more to life um, that things we love to do that fill us up inside that may have nothing to do with our work. Yeah. And so I just want to say that to parents is that if your kid wants to do something, like we always talk about, you know, languages, like our kids, Todd was questioning our kids when they wanted to take French and Italian instead of Spanish, because to him, it seemed like Spanish made more sense so business-wise. real quick, in elementary school, they took Spanish, at least I'm thinking of my oldest, and then middle school, she takes French, and then... In high school, she takes Italian, and my practical brain saying, "Dude, pick a lane. Right? Where? Who are you going to be in the foreign languages department?" And you said, "What?" I said, "Let her do the language that means something to her. She's she's actually getting a, a wide variety of different languages and different sounds in her head." That can only be beneficial, and she's doing well in the classes. It's not like she's failing and then trying something else. She's doing well, and it's not about for her. It may not be about speaking any of these languages. Maybe it's understanding them or knowing the culture. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have the big picture, people. We, but we think as parents we know better. I know, and that's the thing. So uh, I couldn't find the Michelle Obama quote, unfortunately. Okay. But I do want to um, uh, two things. One is, uh, and this goes uh, hand in hand with what we're talking about. I'm not going to play it, but I'm going to include it in the show notes. Show notes. There is a three-minute video uh, of Ellen Watts talking, and it's called "What If Money Was No Object." Yes, and it's really inspirational. And it's 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 what I would show. I used to teach junior achievement, which is teaching like business and entrepreneurship to kids, and I would play it at the beginning of uh, every semester. But it's really, really good, and it's just all about do what you love, and yes. if you do what you love then abundance will come your way. And again, people get very caught up in, again, well, what if it doesn't? Or what if I fail? It's a becoming. You may go in one direction and then need to pivot. Mm. You may go in one direction and realize you're not making any money, you can't survive, so you need to pivot. Or you need to waitress, or you need to be a barista, Mm. or you need to work at retail so you can do what you love. This is not about, we have had friends. Yeah who have said, I'm just going to do what I love and just hope that abundance comes my way. That's not responsible. Yeah. You have to make money and pay your bills. Um, you know, as Cheryl Strait, I mean, Cheryl Strait and Elizabeth Gilbert always talk about this as, as writers, is that if you want to be a writer, you, you have to pay your bills first and then you're a writer. Yeah. And then maybe someday you'll be lucky enough to just be a writer. But until that time, don't force your creativity to 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 suffer. Yeah. You know, allow it to thrive rather than make it work for you. Yeah. And what I mean by that is sometimes we force our creativity to make us money. Like I've been writing this book that I'm writing right now for what, two and a half years? Mm-hmm. And I can't live off that. No. I don't even know if it'll make money. Yeah. It's my joy. Yeah. And then I have to teach and then Todd and I have to work. And then I, you know, I have to go and I have to do sessions with people. Like I have to make money. And so I can do what I love. Yeah. So these are just sometimes when, you know, when Todd says, do what you love, it doesn't mean. Yeah. It comes with a caveat. It does. It, it, yeah. I mean, we can go down a rabbit hole with that, but uh, before you get to your next Michelle uh-huh. Obama thing, we do have a partner this week oh. and the partner is canvas people. And we've partnered with them in the past and we they're, know them. they're back. 
Um, and you know what, sweetie, holidays are just around the corner. Have you started shopping for of your holiday stuff? I start at Thanksgiving, or I start at start uh, Halloween. Halloween yeah. So you start really. So how's it going? So um, if you want to give a gift of something that has meaning, something that they'll really love, uh, Canvas people, you got to check them out. Um, what they do is they, Canvas people is prints, it prints your favorite memories onto Canvas and turns them into unique works of art that add a beautiful touch to your home. Uh, we have actually some of the artwork in Cameron's room uh-huh. of a picture that she took in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get another one for my dad of our seven granddaughters, yeah. which he'll love. Um, it's great for decor. The prints are like pieces of art, and I can say that with authenticity. Um, so here's the deal that they're offering for Zen Parenting Radio listeners, and it's a little bit different. Um, this is for a limited time. Uh, Canvas People is offering their popular 11 by 14 photo canvas for free. That's right, free. It usually costs $69.99, but for this week, you'll, you'll pay nothing. Wow. You just cover shipping and handling. And instead of getting on your computer, all you have to do with your phone is you can text the word Zen to Canvas, which is 484848. So take your phone. Text 484848 48 and just type in Zen and they will send you a link to get your free campus canvas and you could actually upload it from your phone. I've done, I did this last week. Oh my week. gosh. So this it's, is too easy. It's really super easy. You just pay for shipping. So that's the deal. Thank you, Canvas people. And um, uh, we're big fans of it. So yeah. that's the deal. So Michelle okay, Obama. So I'm just going to give you a few of these. So <clears throat> a few of her thoughts um, that I think are good teachings for us and our kids is the first one, which we kind of already said, um, is that failure is temporary. This is something that I actually wrote one of my daughters a long letter last week around this because she was really disappointed about some things. And what I wanted to tell her or or help her understand, and again, she'll figure it out on her own, but I wanted to give her some language around it, was that you can't go after something you love and not experience failure because it's very rarely a straight line. It's a bunch of like disappointments, big hills, um, you know, overcoming adversity, dealing with a tough coach, dealing with a tough class, dealing with a tough teacher. Like there's constant hills, you know, or mountains being thrown in your way. And in life is not about avoiding those. It's about how do I climb it? How do I get around it? How do I choose to not go in that direction? It's about figure that's what life is. And so when our kids have what we would call a failure, or they're telling us they're feeling that, that they're having a failure, as it is our job as parents to say, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't something you need to be ashamed of. This isn't something that you need to think you're the only one. This is called living. This is called becoming. Yeah. And it's temporary because even if this, the, the way you have perceived in your brain for things to work out, even if it doesn't go in that direction, things will go in a new direction. But you just have to remember that this is part of the process. Because a lot of times what failure does, if we don't remember that it's part of the process, is it stops us. Yeah. We think, oh, this didn't work out. Right. We, this didn't work out. Therefore, I must not... I'm not supposed to be... Uh... Turtle scientist. Turtle scientist. You know, and I must not, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to, I'm not good enough. Like I talked to my college students, um, we do this whole two weeks on creativity and we talk about, you know, I asked them how many of you were in art class and by like first or second grade, you had already decided you weren't an artist. That's me, sweetie. I didn't think, I still don't actually. I know. And think about what artist means. Artist means a million different things. Right. It can be how you speak, how you write, how you draw, how you engage with people, how you dance, how you, artistry is, we are all creative beings. When you say I'm not creative, baloney. Yeah. All human beings are creative. Are We all have an imagination. But what we end up doing when kids are young is we start to put like first place, second place, third place. And that's one person's perception yeah. of what, what good is. So I'm saying this to you because if you can help your kids, remind them to not get too caught up in what you perceive to be, and I'm putting this in air quotes, failures. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of being crying, you know, crying about it or being like, oh, now they'll never get this. Look at it as like even kids who are like, you know, they want to go to a certain college and maybe they don't get accepted instead of like, oh, now their dreams are going down the tubes. No, it's just time to pivot. Mm -hmm. This this didn't work out. It obviously wasn't meant to be because it's not happening. So what we're going to do is take all this work you've done and place it in a place that recognizes who you are. Well, and this is kind of another quote that I like. Um, Life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. So the to you is the victim 
mentality, right. failure is debilitating. Or if you say life happens for me, oh, okay, I didn't get into the college I want. That happened for me for a reason. Now maybe I'm supposed to um, go to a different college or maybe I'm supposed to whatever, retake the SAT. Like just because it doesn't work out the first time yes. doesn't mean that you surrender saying, okay, that, that didn't work out. So now I'm going to just quit. And you can either keep going after the same goal, which is admirable, yep. or you say, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to like change this goal a bit and I'm going to go this direction instead. Mm. Remember, it's not about that there's one way to do it. It's about, you know, sometimes people go after the same thing their whole lives and that's not a bad thing right. because if that's what they want, but there's also an opportunity in every perceived fail- failure to try something new right. or to see widen your lens and to see, wait, I was really narrowly focused on that one thing, believing that was the only thing that could make me happy. And that's not the case. Now, the next one she talks about is defining things for yourself. She she actually goes into um, talking about how when she became first lady, you know, if you look at our list of first ladies that preceded her, she wasn't quite sure where she fit into that category. Mm. She talked about how, you know, being a woman who had, you know, been had achieved so much in her own right once her husband, once President Obama became president, she realized she was a side note, yeah. you know, kind of like you do this you know, this is who you're going to be in this role, kind of like she isn't as valued, right? Right. And she decided to define that role for herself. She was like, what do I want to do in this role? You know, who do I want to be as first lady? What, What makes me come alive? How do I want to show up? You got it. And even if it hadn't been done before. So she, and as you know, she, and as many of you may know, she and Jill Biden started working with veterans, mm-hmm. um, had done some amazing work with veterans. And if you ever, I can't remember what the, what it was called. It's too far from me now. It's been too many years, but they worked so closely with veterans and their families. When I think of Michelle, I feel like it was, she was all about eating healthy for kids. That was the other thing. Okay. So that the first thing was veterans and she actually helped a lot of veterans get jobs wow. and and you know keep their families together. So she and Joe Biden did that. And then she did the the moving campaign, you mm. know, and the eating the obesity yeah, campaign. Just exactly, just move. And she and she also she talked about, you know, with Oprah, she was saying how when she first got into office cuz her kids were really young. Like I think Malia was 10 or 11 and Sasha was 7 or 8. Yeah. And she said, you know, for a while, I'm going to be mom in chief. Well, I understand what that means. I have an 11-year-old right now. And if I had a 7-year-old, that's a full-time job. And she said she got a ton of pushback from people who are like, no, that's not what you do, even though that's your most important job. I'm still mother to these girls. But she realized how her words could be so quickly, you know. She had a lot of, you know, a lot of people were very quick to call Michelle angry. Mm. You know, the angry black woman sure. kind of, um, you know, they would put that on her mm-hmm. no matter what she was saying. She had to, she had to, I don't even know if I want to use the word overcome. She had to rise up mm-hmm. and be herself and remind people that she was beyond labels. Yeah. You know, she was beyond that kind of labeling. But define things for yourself means a lot to me because I think. Todd, that's what you and I do with our work is I think as we've been working together now for about nine years, Mm -hmm. you and I, and I think when you get into a business, when um, you're starting your own business, because I know you have your real estate business, but really this is the first business we started from the ground up, right? And there's a lot of people who tell you how to do it and what you have to do and how you have to market Mm -hmm. and how you have to meet these people and how you, and I, we just didn't do a lot of that. And and again, someone could come in and say, well, that's why, you know, you're not Dak Shepard. <laughs> you know, you don't have a, a podcast like Armchair Expert. I don't really want that, first of all. But second of all, success means many different things. You know, we can, this is our business. We do fine, but we also enjoy it. For sure. And that's what I wanted. I would take enjoyment and and being authentic. Over the typical over, definition of success. You got Which it. is followers, likes advertising revenue, whatever. Heavy marketing. Right. You know, being in people's ears all the time. No, thank you. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of one of the things that we do well is, you know, if, if success is defined by how much we like what we do, we are, we are doing great. Really successful. And that's, that's it for me. Like Like we, you know, some people when they go to work, they don't want to go. I, every Monday morning we come to our basement studio (laughs) and we're lucky enough to 
have this conversation that we would be having otherwise I know. in front of a microphone and other people get to listen. Like what a privilege. And we're so lucky we get to do this. And Team Zen, we have this group of almost 100 people that we talk to a couple of times a month and throughout the weeks, you know, in our on our Facebook page is amazing and your men's group and my women's group yeah. and the people like there's I was talking to Dr. Kelly, our chiropractor the other day, and she was saying she can always find on my neck where like it's totally inflamed. I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I'm always so interested. And she said, I know I was born to do this work. I can feel it mm -hmm. in people's bodies. And she said, so I, she said, I always feel bad for people that don't quite know. And I, and, she, and I said, you know what? I, I'm with you because mm -hmm. my work, the, that word doesn't apply. It's not really work. Well, it's like, this is what we do Dr. anyway. Dr. Kelly, she doesn't have to try to do what she's no, doing. She just knows how to do it. And when you're in front of a group or when we're in front of a group or in front of a microphone, there's not a lot of effort no. going on, which tells you that you're you're onto something. Exactly. You know? And you're just kind of doing what you do. And and we allow people to come and go. Yeah. There's no like, well, since you signed up for this, you have to do this, or I'm gonna retain you, or give me your email, or we're not forcing people. And that is the best part of my job is that I don't feel like I owe anybody anything. I don't feel like anybody is uh, feels annoyed at me for, well, they might, but I mean, I'm not doing it intentionally. You know, they can come and go as they please. They don't have to, like you give people a hard time. Like we have best friends who will be like, I haven't listened for like six months. I, that's fine. Yeah. I, you give them a hard time, but well, I it don't It depends care. on who it is. Yeah. <laughs> Certain people I'd be like, oh, of course you listened to last week's podcast yet. They don't. Yeah, I know. He just jokes around. So I, as you, as I always say on podcasts, I have to leave for yoga, but I wanted to do this last one. Sure. Growth is not a destination. No, it's a journey. So this is again, Michelle Obama's, you know, she becoming who you are never ends. I am such a different person at 47 than I was at 45. I'm a different person today than I was last Monday. Yeah. And I mean that like I, you know, like Todd said, after Monday and Tuesday um, of last week and seeing Michelle and Oprah and Glennon and Abby, it was, I was tired and I was, it was awesome and I was willing to do it, but I got sick for another day. I had a horrible migraine and I always go through this process of remembering like what's most important, how I have to slow down and I become stronger in myself. I, instead of judging myself and being hard on myself, I say, just take the learning from this um, after I cry for a while. I cry a lot. Yes, you do. I sweetie. do, but that's my healing. Um, so my point is, is that you're never, your kids are never going to be done growing. You parents are never going to be done growing. If you accept that rather than say things like my kids should be mature by now, or they shouldn't be afraid of the dark anymore, or my kids should know what they want to do, or they should be happy. All of those are, are, those are belief systems Ooh. that you have to question because yeah. we're constantly growing. And I think it's just a great adventure. It's a fun adventure, Todd. I'm glad I'm on it with you. I'm glad I'm on it with you too, sweetie. We're going to close the show with a few more planes, trains, and automobiles lines. Um, but before I do that, I want to say we have a, t a Zen Talk a week from Friday, yep, uh, November 30th. If yep. you're interested in Team Zen, uh, go to zenparentingradio.com and you can find it on the right-hand side. And to all you turtle scientists out there, thank you for doing what you do because we actually do love the turtles. I have turtles all over my meditation area. And, um, the thing I like about turtles is when you get tired, you just kind of go into your shell. You're just like, like good you're, night. You're in your bed and your house all at the same time. And they're patient and they win the race. Yes. The tortoise and the hare, sweetie. I know. So, and we um, love rabbits too. So you go to yoga okay. and I'm going to close the show and just say thank you for listening. And also, um, I do, I coach guys. So in regards to, uh, doing things that doesn't require any effort. It's something I love to do. I like helping guys become the best best version of themselves. So um, I love that. You can go, sweetie. Well, I wanted to say happy Thanksgiving. Oh, go ahead. And I wanted to say I'm grateful for everybody who does listen, even if you just listen, listen occasionally. Or mm -hmm. um, We're just happy to be in community with you because I feel like we're all in this together. None of us are alone. None of us are doing it alone. So everything that you do throughout the day, um, we appreciate it. Um, you're making the world a better place, and we love you. And um, gobble. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. gobble, gobble, gobble. Um, and then I want to talk about Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. He's our uh, partner, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. Um, there goes Sweetie for yoga. Um, we, I do have a men's retreat, but unfortunately for you guys out there, it's already filled up, but we are we have a waiting. Is it really? Yeah. Good for you. 
Yeah. So we're, we're, unless somebody else backs out, but if you're interested, you get on the waiting list so you can uh, uh, email me at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. Uh, the dates of that is March 14th through the 17th. Um, and I think that's about all I got. I want to finish with these few planes, trains, and automobiles quotes. So um, that's your homework for the week is uh, watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with your family because it's a wonderful movie. And we're going to let uh, our guy, our guys Neil Page and Del Griffith close out the show, followed by some ZPR music. So here we go. I'm suffering. That's terrible. Do you have any idea how glad I am I didn't kill you? Do you have any idea how glad I'd be if you had? Oh. 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 Why did you kiss my ear? Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. Honey, I'd, li- I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. Oh, and here's a gun so you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me for it. <sighs> I-, I-, I could tolerate any-, any insurance seminar. For days, I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. They'd say, how can you stand it? And I'd say, because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything that we offer. Get your tickets for our annual Zen Parenting Conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Sweet. Get your brave on with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com. Sweet. It's going to be off the hook. I know. Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization, go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the support us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Um, guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? Good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, FaceTime, you choose. If you're in Chicago, contact me about the tribe. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And don't forget about our 2019 Unplug, Connect, and Transform Retreat. More, more on that later. Special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft, from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support, Jeremy. Sweetie, he's a bald head of beauty. I know this. All right, everybody, keep trucking. See you next week. Adios.